Good morning, good morning. Uh, glad to see you all made it this morning. Uh, we initially thought when the snow started coming down, I was like, well, we'll just uh, we'll have 10 or 15 people come and we'll just have a small group. We're going we're gonna to put the chairs in a nice big circle and uh, pray a little bit and go home, but uh, I don't actually have a sermon prepared. But I made up one in the last 10 minutes, so I think we're good to go. Uh, no, I do want to, uh, we're going to end the series that we started at the beginning of January, uh, The Attributes of God. Um, this will be the last Sunday of that, uh, talking about the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. Before we even move into it, though, um, I do want to let you know, I, it was brought to my attention a lack of clarity um, in regards to something I said last week, and I do want to clear this up. Um, in regards, we, we touched on tithing, uh, being that giving is a part of love. And so, um, but even within that, when we refer to tithing, we're not referring to giving 10%. That is a, a legalistic Old Testament way of, of thinking. Um, the New Testament, uh, especially after Jesus does not mention that 10% in regards to something that we need to do. Paul actually says just to be generous. He actually says that be generous, keeping in mind that the, the sacrifice that God gave to us, what Jesus did on our behalf. And so knowing what Jesus gave, that, that should make us just want to be generous. And so even in regards to giving, that's something that you have to in, in listening to God on, in, in yourself and your relationship with God, um, what that looks like for you, what that generosity looks like for you. Um, and that's something that nobody can tell you. Uh, and it's certainly not a, a dollar amount. Um, and so for me, it's, it's been anywhere from 10, 15, 20%. Um, but it's just, it's just whatever I feel like God puts on my heart. And so I don't want to lead you in the wrong direction. So when we say tithing, that's what we're referring to, uh, that generosity. And again, I believe that God, and I believe, I know that God holds me accountable uh, for everything that I say um, on this stage or off. And so I don't want to mislead you in any way. And so if I told you something that you already know, then great. Um, but at the very least, just want to make sure that there's clarity. Um, Again, thank you for, for being here today. I'm so glad to see all of you. Um, excited about today, talking about the Spirit of God. We're going to walk through real briefly uh, four things in regards to the Spirit of God, and then we're going to go home and we're going to all have hot chocolate and post it on Facebook. Amen. Amen. So four things in regards to the Spirit of God. Uh, we're going to go through a who, a what, a how, and a where. In regards to the Spirit of God, a who, a what, a how, and a where in regards to the Spirit of God, and that will be it. Um, before we even get into it, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for uh, all of your many blessings. Thank you, God, for being so good to us, Father. God, we thank you for a family here. Um, thank you for those that made it. Thank you for those that uh, wanted to come, but um, due to the way that they couldn't make it, um, we ask that you bless them also. 
where they are this morning. Um, God, we do ask that you give us all safe trips back home. Uh, it seems to be sticking to some degree. And so, God, we ask that you uh, give us all safe trips back home. Uh, traveling mercies, as they say. Uh, be with us this morning, God. Forgive us of our sins. God, if there be anything that would hinder us from hearing from you, uh, on our hearts and minds and spirits, we ask that you remove it. Um, remove any hurt or any, anything that would block us being blessed by your presence uh, in the presence of each other. Uh, God, help us to continue to love each other um, and forgive each other when necessary. We thank you for all that you do with, for us. Speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, we're going to walk through four things in regards to the Spirit of God. The who. Uh, I think this is a group, but I'm not sure. Uh, who, what, how, and where. Uh, in regards to the Spirit of God, uh, sometimes called the Holy Spirit, uh, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, it was referred to sometimes as the Holy Ghost. Uh, but in regards to that who, uh, we cannot address the who of the Holy Spirit without addressing the Trinity. We have to address the Trinity. Uh, that the Holy Spirit, uh, we would say, is part of a, a triune God. That the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, and part of a triune God that would include Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we get a gist of this, a hint of this, of this Trinity. The word Trinity is not actually mentioned in Scripture, but we get a hint of this in Genesis 1.26 when Jesus said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. So Jesus says, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. So either right there we know that Jesus is not alone or Jesus has schizophrenia. Uh, we believe, we don't believe that Jesus has mental issues. God has mental issues. And so we believe that he was not alone. And so who else was with him at that time? Who is the us in addressing the Trinity? Who is that us? We know that God wasn't alone. And so part, the other part of the Trinity is addressed in John 1. Uh, when, in, when being spoken of Jesus, it said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, that the word was God, but it wasn't just that the word was God, that Jesus was God, but he was also with God, with God and was God at the same time. It's a tough thing to explain the, the Trinity. Um, I was, you know, I remember it being in, uh, in school at CIU, you know, our professors talking about it, uh, just saying that it's, it's one of those things you have to be so careful in trying to explain it. Uh, most things in the Bible that we try to explain, there is some kind of natural parallel that we can draw a line to and say, well, this is like that. And if you know what this is, then it would help you understand this spiritual. Uh, and so, but the, uh, the Trinity is not like that. We have nothing in the natural that is like the Trinity. Nothing that is three and one and, and, and separate, but still the same and uh, in this whole uh, this whole thought that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were that they were with God, but then they were also God. 
And so we know that the, in identifying the who, we know that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, we, we see the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2. We actually, in, in Genesis, the first chapter and the second verse, it says that the Holy Spirit moved on the face of the waters. Another version says the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And so we have, at the beginning, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all present. And so that answers the who. Moving on to the what. What is the Holy Spirit? Uh, the Holy Spirit is that person, that person that, out of the words of Jesus, straight from Jesus' mouth, that teaches, testifies, and convicts. Okay? Now, we're going we're gonna to make that a little more concise and just say that the Holy Spirit draws us to God. Okay? The job of the Holy Spirit being to draw us to God. And we talk a lot about the, the job of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in regards to believers, but it just, uh, the Holy Spirit's relationship doesn't start with you when you start believing. Because if the Holy Spirit's relationship started with you, when you started believing, there would be no believers. There would be no believers. And so we know that the Holy Spirit's relationship starts actually with the non-believer. And so in talking about that the Holy Spirit draws us to God, we know that the Holy Spirit draws the non-believer to Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 lets us know that it is by the Spirit that we are able to say that Jesus is Lord. It says that it actually says that we cannot say that Jesus is Lord except with the help of the Holy Spirit. No, nobody just comes to that place. And we've talked about this before. And we have to continue to make this clear. And that is why there's no room for pride or, or anything like that at the feet of the cross. There's no room for pride in this space. It's one of the things that God hates the most. And it's because no one can say, well, I just, I woke up one day and I just, I just kind of thought it was the right thing to do. I just came to this place myself. I just, I went through some things and I, and I just smartened up on my own. I just came to this realization on my own. That has never happened. The soul that has come to Christ without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, that has not happened. The only way to Christ is, is by being affected. The Holy Spirit drew you. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 alludes to that. We are here. We are all here. Black, white, young, old. Some of us have known God for a long time. Some of us have known God for a little bit. But regardless of how you met him and when you met him and, and who he used, we are all here because of the handiwork of the Holy Spirit. And then that work is not done in, in drawing you to God. We know that that work is not done when you become a believer. Romans 18 and 4 says that as many as are led by the Spirit, those are the sons of God. One of the defining things in being a son and daughter of God is that we're led by the Spirit. That even still, we've already given our lives to Christ, but he's still drawing us. We're still following him. He's still drawing us, and we're still following him. The Holy Spirit, that is. 
And I want you to know that even you've given your life to God, you've already done that, the Holy Spirit is still drawing you, drawing you to be better, drawing you in this process, through this process of sanctification to be better for God, to take another step in your relationship with God. And so that proof, part of that proof that you're walking with the Holy Spirit is that you've taken steps, that the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And God, we, we, we talk about being called. And so that thought of being called, that God is calling out to you and you're walking towards him. And so you know part of the proof of walking with God and having a relationship a valuable relationship with God is that you're not where you were. None of us are perfect, but we should all be able to say, I'm not where I was six months ago. I'm a better man. I'm a better woman. I'm a better wife. I'm a better husband. I'm a better son. I'm a better daughter. I'm a better follower of Christ than I was six months ago, a year ago. And if you can't say that, it just means that you're not following him. Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit, those are the sons of God. The ones who have movement in their lives as a result of the Holy Spirit's influence on you. We move from the what to the how. How does the Holy Spirit but that, that question is, is in large part answered in Galatians 5 and 22 when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those things being the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to clear a couple of little things up with that. Uh, in mentioning that it is the fruit of the Spirit, that word is a singular word. The, the Greek word that is used there isn't, uh, we, and we have these, the fruit of the Spirit, it says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It, and it mentions eight English words, but it's actually one Greek word. And so in talk, as we uh, strive to be better for him, and as we follow the lead of the Spirit in our lives, know that that's, it's, uh, and we like to take it apart and, and say, well, um, I'm getting better at loving, but I don't know about joy. And, and, um, and, and my peace is good, but, uh, but, but you know, I, I may never be better uh, in regards to long-suffering. I may never be more gentle, uh, but, I am, but I am meek. And so we, we like to pick and choose sometimes, but the Bible is very clear here. There isn't fruits of the Spirit. Where you can grab one and, oh, I'll take this one. I'll take this one for, for 500 bob. And I don't know about that one. I'll, I'll take this one right here. Yeah, give me that love. I want a little bit of that. No, 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 no. It's, it is but one fruit. One fruit of the Spirit that encompasses and embodies all these things. That if you are following the lead of the Spirit, like we talked about in the what, that if you are following the lead of the Spirit, that you're getting better at love. That your joy is increasing. Peace, long-suffering, you're becoming more gentle. Faith, meekness, temperance, your, your temper. That you're becoming better at those things. Not perfect, better. And all these things should be happening at the same time if you are following Christ. 
two more things I want to look at in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, this word fruit isn't mentioned. Paul is a very intelligent man uh, being led by the Spirit of God in his writings. Um, the word fruit isn't just thrown out there. There's a reason that it's said. Uh, and so when we think about fruit and what fruit means, there are two things that embody the definition of fruit. Because Paul could have said anything. But in saying fruit and being guided by the Holy Spirit, he writes fruit. And there's a reason for that. The definition of fruit is embodied in two things. Number one is fruit if it contains a seed. And so in, in realizing and uh, talking about the how of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit changes us, how the Holy Spirit affects us as believers, it is through a seed. That the seed of the Holy Spirit, there is no fruit without seed. That the seed of the Holy Spirit, when achieving as it achieves and strives for intimacy within your heart, mind, and soul. That as that seed, uh, and if you would picture it almost like a, that fruit happens when a seed achieves intimacy with the ground. And then you think about that, a, fruit, a seed achieving intimacy with the ground uh, when it's under, under the ground. And so the, there's this thing where the seed opens up. And some of the seed is in the ground and some of the ground is in the seed. And there is this mixing and interchanging. Uh, this, uh, and so this happens, this intimacy. And through this intimacy, fruit is produced. And so I want you to know, I say that to say that the fruit of the Spirit is produced when the seed of the Spirit achieves intimacy with you. That is why, that is why it is so important that you come to small group. That is so, why it is so important that you read your Bible. That is why it is so important that you pray. God is after intimacy with you. God wants, make no bones about it, God wants intimacy with you. God wants intimacy with you. I cannot say it enough. Not, not closeness, not uh, in being an acquaintance. God wants intimacy. Intimacy with you. When referring to intimacy, the Bible not just says that we should seek him. God says, seek my face. It doesn't just say seek him. It says that we should, the commandment is that we should seek his face. I don't know about you and, and how uh, your, your week went. There wasn't, there wasn't but one person that achieved this uh, with me. There wasn't but one person. She's sitting right over there. There wasn't but one person. You don't, you, don't just, you don't just happen to get this close to somebody. You don't just, oh, oh, and it's like, oh, okay, I, oh, how'd, that, how'd that happen? No, no, no. If, if you are here with anybody that was on purpose... And I don't know about you, if you're here, Kim, but there are only two options if you're right here with me. Two options. And two things that can happen at this point. Either we're going to fight or we're going to kiss. <laughs> Either we're going to fight or we're going to kiss. Look at, look at the closeness and what has to happen. You ever seen somebody stand that close and nothing happened? You ever seen somebody be... Uh, you ever seen somebody be this close to somebody and, and, and nothing happened? Like just, just and nothing happened. How awkward is that? How awkward, just, just, just right here. Just right here and nothing. No kiss, no swinging, no pushing, no shoving, no nothing. Just, 
Just right here. That is the most, isn't that the most awkward thing in the world? I mean, I feel awkward with this mic right now. I'm going to put it down. If you hadn't already gotten the point, too bad. And, and, and look, look at why it says seek his face. Because you can be this far away and nothing happened. And it's not awkward. You can be this far from somebody and not speak, not push, not shove, not kiss, not talk, not, not wave, not anything. Because at this distance, nothing has to happen. But when you are here, something has to happen. And that is why God says, seek my face. Get so close to me that something has to happen. Get so close to me that you have to get better. Get so close to me that you, you have to become a better husband, a better wife. You, you have to love more. You can't be that close to God and, and not love your neighbor better. You can't be that close to God and not be generous. And it goes through these things. Uh, you can't be that close to God and not have joy. You can't do it. I dare you. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I, I dare you to get that close and see what happens. See, none of us, uh, some of us never uh, you have intimacy with God. You never have intimacy with God. See, you know of God, and, 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 and you've, you stand out of the, uh, I'll say, we talked about the fire and how God is a consuming fire. We stand just out of the, the safe, within safe distance of the fire. Within safe distance of the fire, the Bible says uh, our God is a consuming fire. And we talked about it a few weeks back. And some of us, most of us, I would say, stand within safe distance of the fire. That if there's a fire here and I'm there, nothing really has to happen. But uh, the Bible doesn't say, we talked about it before, our God is not a warming fire. God's not interested in making you comfortable. He's a consuming fire. You get this close to the fire, something has to happen to you. You have to change. There is no substance. There is no, there is no element on earth that, is, uh, that has been made by God. There is no element. When put in the fire, nothing happens. It is impossible. And so in saying that our God is a consuming fire, God is daring you to get close with him. He's not going to punch you in the face. He's not, he, he may want to kiss you. He may want to hug you. He may want to tell you some things he hadn't told you yet. He may want to let you know what he wants to do in your life and his plans, for, his plans for your life. I remember as I, as I being a young person and, and I felt like God was calling me and I knew he was, it, it seemed like with, with everything that happened, God said, he kept saying, come here, come here. Come here. It, was, it was almost like, it was almost like my dad, I remember my dad, when, he, when we were younger, uh, my dad was—he was a force to be reckoned with. He's—he's—he's he's, he's older now, and he's so mild, uh, and, he, and he's so—he's so nice to the grandbabies. It makes me sick. <laughs> it makes me sick. Like, who is this guy? Who is this mild guy that is just—who uh, who are you? I, I say that even with distance, even though he's—I I, I would never say that on the ground over there on the stage. I don't think he can make that jump, but. <laughs> But I remember he, he would say, he would say, uh, Thomas, he's like, come here. And like, it was like, oh gosh. <laughs> like, come here, come here. And I would be like, okay, what, what are you going to do? He's <laughs> like, no, come here. And it's like, oh gosh. Either I'm going to get knocked out or he's going to hug me. 
And it is that type of tension when I realized that my heavenly father was doing the same thing. When God was saying, come here. Come here, Lot. God, what do you want me to do? I hear you. Come here. Like, what, God? I hear you. What do you want me to do? And, and as I, it, there was that fear. I was scared of what he might ask me to do. He might ask me to start getting up at 6 o'clock and reading my Bible. He might ask me to start praying every day. He might ask me to forgive somebody I hadn't forgiven yet. He might ask me to go to church with people who don't look like me. He might, he might ask me to do some things I didn't want to do. And I knew once I get here, there's no choice. And so I just played around. It was like, oh, okay. Okay, God, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And so once, once, I, once I closed that distance, I, I, I dabbled it around for a few years and, and played around with God. And God said, come here, come here. And I know he's getting more frustrated with me. I was scared of what he might ask me to do. And I know if you are in this room, you're scared. You're like me, the same way that my father made me feel and my heavenly father made me feel the same, same thing with you. You're scared of what he might ask you to do. You should, and, and that's fine. You should be a little nervous. He's probably going to ask you to do something. There's a real good chance he's going to ask you to do something that you haven't been doing. And chances are you won't like it. When you, when you get that close to God, and, and even talking again about the fire, nothing gets that close to the fire and is not changed. And when I see people that have gone uh, two years, still the same, five years with God, five years walking with God, still the same. Ten years, you walk with God, you're still the same person. After ten years, and I know you can't be, not, not, you cannot be closely walking with the same God that I know. Not the same consuming fire that I know. Because he will change you. If you just get that close, he'll do the work. If, you, if you're in this room and you've been playing around with God, playing ring around the rosy and, and you hadn't done it yet, come on in. Come on in. Come closer to God. If you just, if you just come closer, he'll do the work. It doesn't say the fruit of you. It says the fruit of the Spirit. You can't produce this on your own. You can't be more loving, more kind, more gentle, uh, not with any kind of uh, durability anyway. You can't do these things on your own. You can't do these things in a last. The Bible talks about how he'll give you fruit and this fruit shall remain. You can't do this stuff and it lasts for a lifetime on your own. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It is, it is nothing that you can do yourself. But God says, get, the, get this close and I'll do it. I'll do it. The Holy Spirit will literally do work in you. And if you're scared of that, don't be. Don't be scared of that. God, God it, is, it is an amazing thing to be close to God. The last thing we want to well, the, the last thing I want to tell you in regards to the fruit, the other part of the fruit here, uh, by definition of fruit, two things. One thing, it contains a seed. The other thing in regards to fruit is that uh, part of the definition it is that it can be eaten. If it cannot be consumed, it's not fruit. 
if it has a seed but can't be eaten, by definition, it's not fruit. So part of the, what defines fruit is that it can be eaten, it can be consumed. And so in talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it is the thought that God, the Holy Spirit, will do and produce something in you for the sake of consumption. Not just producing it just to produce it. Not just producing it just so somebody can pass by and look at it and say, oh, look at that love. That's so pretty. I got these, tested planting these flowers in the front of the house uh, very recently. They're good for nothing. I'm sorry, babe. They look good. They look good. They look good. But, but that's all they're there for, just to look good. I, I, I dare you to come by and pick one and puck one up. If you have a fit, I, I promise. I, I dare you to go by the house. I won't do it, and I'm bigger than her. I dare you to go by the house and just pluck one up. It is not for consumption. It is just to be looked at. And so when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's saying that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your heart and in your life for, that for not just to be looked at and admired from a distance, he is doing it for consumption. This love is not just to be grown in you, but that love is to be given away. This peace is not just to be grown and developed in you. It is God does it so that you can give it away. Meekness, temperaments, uh, temperaments, gentleness, all these things God develops in you for somebody else. He does it for somebody else. Fruit that can't be consumed isn't fruit at all. And God's not interested in developing anything in you that can't help somebody else. That's the how. The last thing we're going to look at is the where. Where is the Spirit? Thank you, Jesus. That question is answered in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. When it says, and you've heard this verse, I know uh, if, if you haven't heard it, it's a very popular scripture. It says, do ye not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? Paul just threw that out there just so, you, just so you know. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you. And so that answers the where of the Holy Spirit. But I want to look at that a little closer again, just like with fruit. Paul just doesn't throw out words to throw out words. Being influenced in his writings, the Bible says uh, writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's not just saying things just to say them. The Holy Spirit doesn't have him write this just because. And so we think and we hear that, uh, that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. First thought comes to mind, okay, well, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I'm the temple. If I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit is in here. Okay? And that's, and that's kind of where we leave off with that, just that the Holy Spirit's inside of me and that's it. And so, I, I, I mean, I've even heard people, if you're stretching it, I've uh, uh, at the very most, I've heard people say, well, because I'm the temple uh, and, you know, I need to watch what I eat. Paul is talking about fornication here uh, before he mentions this in, in verse 18. Uh, and so we don't go very far with that. But there's a reason that he says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
uh, I want you to know that in the, in, the, in the days of the Israelites, as they were coming through the wilderness, they built a tabernacle. Now, a tabernacle was in a tent. And so much like we do here, they had set up and tear down. I just wanted you to know, it makes me feel better. <laughs> they didn't have a building either. So they, uh, the, the, the Israelites had set up and tear down. They were in the tent and they would move it as they went through the wilderness. They took the tent and, its, uh, and, and everything that was in it with them. And so they got to a place where they were stopping. They set up the tent and then set up the, the things that were in the tent. And then they went to move, and so they, they took it down and, and took the Ark of the Covenant and the other things that were in the, the tent. And so that was called the tabernacle. By definition, a tabernacle is not stationary. A tabernacle moves. And so knowing that it was moving, they didn't put a whole lot into the tabernacle. There were some very specific things in regards to the tabernacle and, and that God alluded to Moses in, as, as they built it. Uh, there were some very specific things and God was very, uh, I want this, 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 and this. And he left no room for error. And so God told them those things in regards to the tabernacle. But keep in mind, God didn't go very far. He didn't go very far in what he asked of them. Reason being because they just had to pack up and move it anyway. He didn't ask them to do too much, again, because they had to pack up and move it anyway. And so even in the building uh, or the, the construction of the tabernacle, the things that they used were things that they already had, okay? All they used was what they already had, but the temple was something different. The temple did not move. The temple, which had its home in Jerusalem, did not move. It could not be moved. It was a stationary building. It was at least, it was twice the size of the tabernacle. The temple was long and high and wide. It was an amazing structure. They didn't just use what they had at their disposal, at their, what they had right there around them. They Solomon, in building the temple, went to neighboring kingdoms and bought supplies from neighboring kingdoms. He, he went and got all these different things. And, and Solomon wasn't cheap in being, in being influenced by God to do it. The temple took seven years to build. Seven years. Seven years the temple took to build. They ordered materials from all materials and supplies. This is going to make sense in a minute. They ordered materials and supplies from all over the world. All over the world. They, ordered, they, they, had, they, they went and got cedar trees, fir trees, algum trees. They went and got trees from Lebanon. They went to Lebanon to get these specific types of trees. There were these different stones that were used. And there were jewels of all kinds. 30 different, 30,000 Israelites worked on the temple. 30,000 Israelites. 15,000 Canaanites. They recruited Phoenician artists from a long ways away. They got craftsmen from here again a long ways away 
the temple was such an elaborate, amazing, beautiful structure. They're in the corners of the temple, and, and, and it was partly modeled after Isaiah 6 when it talks about the cherubims. Uh, and, and in the corners of the temple, there were cherubims whose wings were outstretched. And so in the corner, you have a cherubim whose wings is outstretched, and he's reaching. And in the other corner, there's another cherubim, and his wings are outstretched, and they're touching wings in the middle. God instructed them, and by the way, the furniture was handpicked by God himself. The, the, the temple was elaborate. It was amazing. And most of the temple, uh, historians, uh, uh, historians say that 90 to 95% of the temple was completely covered in gold. Peruvian gold, a specific type of gold, very expensive gold at that. The tongs were made of gold. The lamps were made of gold. The altar was 100% pure gold. And the doors of the temple were 100%. They weren't coated with gold. The doors were gold. Historians estimate that if that same temple... Would, be, would, would have been built today that it would cost in the range of $178 billion, $860 million. This was no, this was very expensive. They, 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 they didn't cut any corners anywhere. It was very expensive. I'm going to read it again. In the range of $178,860,000,000. If that same temple, the same, the same exact thing, if it were to be done today, that is how much it would cost. The temple was an elaborate, amazing structure that people came from miles around to see. Uh, it is written that the queen of Sheba came herself, traveled from Egypt just to get a look. If they, they were talking about it for miles and miles around. Other kingdoms were sending people. Kings themselves were coming just to take a look at it. The queen of Sheba came from Egypt, came herself, didn't send somebody and say, oh, go down and look at it and take some pictures and bring it back. No, no, no. They, she came herself just to see this amazing temple. And so when God says that you are, he says, mind you, and, and he, he's telling them uh, in regards to fornication, stop sleeping around. Do you not know that your body is the temple, not the tabernacle, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What he is saying is stop acting cheap. I paid a lot for the Holy Spirit to be able to live in you. You are, you are expensive. My young girls who are in the room, high school, middle school. If you're high school, middle school, college, and you're in the room, raise your hand. I know, I know we have them on most Sundays. Okay. Please don't let any boy anywhere convince you that you're not expensive. I have proof in the Bible, God, in letting you know your body is a temple 
a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is saying, you're expensive to me. You cost a whole lot. Jesus died on the cross and, 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 and was crucified, was hung high and stretched wide just so the Holy Spirit could live in you. You are not cheap, so stop acting like it. You're worth waiting for. Our young girls, our young boys, same thing. You are worth waiting for. And, he, and he's saying to them, God is saying, you are so expensive. Stop acting cheap. We, we have a TV at, 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 in our house. It is, uh, of all the things in the house, uh, my, my, the, the TV uh, is, is a flat screen. And I really like it a lot. Um, it was a gift from a, a, a very good friend. You got to have a good friend give you a flat screen. Okay. Uh, we, and so we didn't pay this kind of money. Uh, Tessa wouldn't allow that. Um, she didn't believe in that. I did. I believe in it um, for a flat screen. Uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, but we had no argument about this. Uh, it was given to us, but it is very expensive. It was a gift, but it is very expensive. I don't like when people get close to it. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I just don't like it. I, when people get close to it, I just, I get nervous. I get on the edge. Something might happen to it. Something might, it's on the wall. I, I didn't want it on the, on, the, on the little thing. I want it on the wall where nobody can even touch it. Um, you know, if, if we're doing it like we should, nobody should even physically touch it. And I like it. Okay. It's expensive. I get nervous when people get close to it. Why? Because it is very expensive. And so I don't like when people act like it's cheap in its presence. Don't just, don't just uh, act all willy-nilly and all this kind of stuff around it because it is very expensive to me. And that is only a fraction of the way that God feels about you. If you knew, and so people sometimes may do that around the TV because they don't know how much it costs. They don't know how expensive it is. And I didn't even pay for it. But they don't know how expensive it is. So sometimes they may add whatever around it because they don't know how much it costs. And so God is saying to us, if you knew the price I paid. Now, when you come in the house, I don't have a price tag on it, but I should. <laughs> I should. I, I, I probably should. I might go on right now and, and, and just, put a, just put a price tag on it just so people know how much it costs. I didn't even pay it. But just so you know, you'll see it like, oh, I need to be careful. And it is, that is only a fraction of the way that God feels about you. If you knew how expensive it was just for you to be able to sit up here with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you knew the price that Jesus paid, it, you, you would be so careful in how you treat people. You would be so careful, and, 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 and like Paul says, Paul says, wait a minute, you're sleeping around and doing these things, fornication. He's, wait a minute, don't you know that you're the temple? Wait a minute, stop acting like you're cheap. Wait a minute. You would be more careful. If we knew, if I put the, if we put the, the crucifixion up on the screen and we had to watch it, that's why I like that movie, The Passion of the Christ. If, if we put the, the actual crucifixion up on the screen and you had to watch it, I believe we would live differently. I believe if we saw the cost, if, if the price tag was on the screen, if we could see it, the price tag, I believe that we would treat this a little differently. I believe that we would live differently. 
The Bible talks about being holy and, and living in holiness. Why? Because the, the very Spirit of God himself, not like a, not, not a spirit that's, a, that's a, you know, under a spirit. The God himself lives in us. God himself lives in us. As the message of the gospel. It should make you live differently to know the, the cost that Jesus paid. If you don't know that cost, we're not going to put it up on the screen, but read the Gospels. You are expensive, know it or not. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all of your many blessings. We thank you for, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given us. Thank you, God, for who you are, that the Holy Spirit is God. Thank you, God, that you draw us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for this fruit of the Spirit that you are developing in us for the purpose of being given away. And thank you, God, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we should treat it as such. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.